Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another conspiracy-pilled Bible study. Uh, we are in Ezekiel. We're part three of the Weird Prophet. I'm PJ Williams. With me is Abby Libby. How are you doing, Abby? I'm 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 doing. I'm here. I'm good. <laughs> I'm doing good. I worked a long day today. I'm I'm on this whole new schedule where Mondays are like a, I they basically just give me a bunch of of uh, routes and like pick one and I picked one that was kind of like I just got home. So <laughs> long day, but I'm here. I'm excited. Uh, so I feel like where we left off, what we've learned is that Ezekiel is a. Let me see if I can get this right. Ezekiel. Is a what, what do we call Marina Abramovich? A, a, what type of performer is that? Oh, performance artist. He's a performance art. He yeah. <laughs> Ezekiel is a performance artist who's living in a country. He's a he's a performance artist who's seen UFOs. Yes. Lives in a country that's turned its back on God. I don't know. Like, there's so much here for a conspiracy <laughs> show a to lot. talk about. Yeah. There's a lot. UFOs, performance artists. Weirdness, but the, but the prophecy, good kind. the, good, the kind. good kind. Yeah, the good Still kind. Still weird, though. Super weird. Still super weird. So, yeah, I'm excited to be here, guys. Uh, we're just, if you guys are new to this, we are just going to be reading. We've been reading through Ezekiel. We got through 13 chapters so far. We're just going to start at 14. We're going to read. We're going to talk. We're going to discuss. Uh, it's not really a sermon or anything. We just want to read and share with you guys and have conversations. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye on chat. And, uh, and uh, but first, I think we should just start with prayer. Yes. So always a good place to start before you jump into the Bible. So, uh, dear Lord, thank you so much for bringing us here today. Thank you so much for Abby and what a blessing she's been to me and for this whole community, Conspiracy Pilled, um, all the people that have made this uh, just such a great place to be on on uh, Wednesday nights, on Thursday nights, on Monday nights, even Saturdays when we stream then. Um, it's just been awesome. The community has been great. Just thank you for that. I pray that you with our technology, that we don't have any issues, that we don't have any uh, internet issues or computers crashing or lights going haywire, um, and that uh, and that you will just speak to us through your word, Lord, that you will give us the words to say that in everything that we say and do, that we're just be seeking you um, and trying to understand you more and trying to find your will for our lives. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I am lost for words today, guys. I am tired. It is so. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's just jump into it. Unless you have anything else to say, we're uh, yeah. Let's go. Like I said at fourteen. Ha. Ezekiel is talking to uh, the elders of the town at this point. Yeah. Just to give some context. So then, certain elders of Israel came to me and sat before me, and the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumble the stump. <laughs> It's you too. <laughs> the stumbling over my tongue blocks. <laughs> and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? Therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, any one of the house of Israel who takes his idols into his heart and sets the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and yet comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him as he comes with the multitude of his idols, that I may lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel who are all estranged from me through their idols. I think a good point here is just that you can't have it both ways. Mm -hmm. They're trying to like have their idols and also inquire of the Lord. They're, they're trying to also, you know, have the good parts of use God for, for knowledge, basically, but not actually be in relationship with him or serve him. Yeah, this one's so interesting to me. There, there's two things that jumped out at me about the, again, this is just my own 
interpreting it into the world we live in now. I'm not saying the Bible's talking about any of these things. Um, but it's timeless, right? Like these messages yeah. are timeless, right? Uh, the, the idea of idol worship is timeless. People just find different idols to worship. Sometimes people are worshiping idols or false gods without even fully realizing it. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw that earlier in Ezekiel with the sun worshipers where they were worshiping the sun and thinking they were worshiping Yahweh. Um, but no, and right here it says, uh, I just want to make sure I get this part right. It says, they set the stumbling block of, of their iniquity before their faces. Um, and the first thing that comes to my mind, and I, we've never like looked into this. We've kind of brought it up before where there's uh, like black cube worship everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I worry and wonder if some of the, the black cube stuff that we see in Israel is, is some of that just seeping mm -hmm. into their religion. It's an idol and I'm not saying it's it's the Jews. I'm saying everybody, all yeah. kinds of cultures are Each worshiping culture the black has their cube. Own they have their own thing, version yeah. of it, right? We've got it at the 9-11 memorial. The the um, Islam has the black cube worship. Mm -hmm. It's false. It's a false god. It's worshiping uh, Saturn, right? Saturn, yeah. But I'm thinking like besides that, like what? Do, like I'm just thinking what we put in front of our faces, the iniquity, the gods that we put in front of our faces is our phones. It's it's um, you know so many different ways. I, I, I yeah. immediately, I think we all, you know, as men in this culture in an over pornified culture, mm -hmm. we have a tiny black cube porn machine in front of our faces mm. that we have, that we have yeah, all wow. too often just set our hearts to that kind of worship, turning to that God when we're down, turning to that God when we uh, are feeling stressed out in life. Right. So it's just hey, stuff that comes to mind rule of thumb is for an idol is like, are you sacrificing good things Yeah, for this? Well, that's why I, that's why I've said it before that, um, that is what pornography is to sacrifice mm -hmm. to, I think it's to Ishtar essentially. To Ishtar, yeah. yeah. Um, but it is, it's sacrificing relationship. It's sacrificing time. It's sacrificing money. It's sacrificing your soul, mm -hmm. uh, in so many little ways. Um, so yeah, I just, we want to talk about iniquity set before our faces that just jumps out at me like right away. Yeah. Okay. Verse six. six. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, repent and turn away from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abominations for any one of the house of Israel or one of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who separates himself from me, taking his idols into his heart and putting the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face. And yet comes to a prophet to consult me through him. I, the Lord will answer him myself and I will set my face against that man and I will make him a sign and a byword and cut him off from the midst of my people. And you shall know that I am the Lord. And if the prophet is deceived and speaks a word, I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet, and I will stretch out my hand against him and will destroy him from the midst of my people Israel. So like a dire warning warning for any prophet, Ezekiel being the one in the room mm -hmm. to get it right when God speaks. Yeah, in particular, in this instance, God's calling Ezekiel to not answer their questions. He's saying, mm. you want to come to me with your idol in front of your face? We're going to talk about the idol in front of your face. We're going to talk about right. the plank in your eye, the, the elephant in the room, whatever. But I'm not going to answer your, your, the rest of your questions, right. is what he's saying. It's right. like, We're going to talk about what I want to talk about. You're not going to answer their questions. You're going to address the idols. Yes. We're going to talk about the idols. When you get rid of the idols, then we can talk. And Jesus did this too. Like he, we don't talk about it very much, but a lot of times he would deal with the sin issue first or he would deal with some sort of thing with the person first before he would actually heal them. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of times it was subtle. It was like, do you want to be healed? And then the guy doesn't say he wants to be healed. He says, <clears throat> I can't get in the pool. Right. It's like his, it's like, I can't. 
Um, stuff like that is interesting. Well, I think so often we're blocking our own blessings in our life by not turning away from our, our own mm. idols, not turning away from our own iniquities, right? Um, yeah. And, and that's true with what Jesus said to people. It's very true in what Ezekiel saying. He's like, look, you're coming to me like I'm a medium who's just going to reach out to Yahweh and give you, um, you know, good words, like look yeah. into my crystal ball and tell you what you want to hear. But what I'm telling you is stop worshiping false gods. Right. And then we can have, then we can talk. But God's not a, a genie that you can come and rub the lamp and then go back to your other gods. Yeah. That, that's not how this works. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. And they shall bear their punishment. The punishment of the prophet and the punishment of the inquirer shall be alike, that the house of Israel may no more go astray from me, nor defile themselves any more with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people and I may be their God, declares the Lord God. Because they're, they're I lost trying where to, we're at. I'm sorry. Which verse was that? Um, that was the end of 11. Okay. There we go. Go ahead. I don't know if I'm willing, I don't, I don't think I'm willing to say that there's never any real prophecy outside of God, but I'm wondering if there's not any like actual prophetic word outside of God, any actual knowledge of the future. That could be a, a solid prediction that comes true, but it seems like they want to serve the idols, but they also want to know what's coming. They also yeah, well, I want think that's how to it. I think that's how demonic uh, foretel- fortune telling works, though, right? Mm. Is they just have a larger view; they can see patterns. Yeah, they're you know ancient beings, so their predictions are going to be a lot more spot on than. Uh, yeah, they, they they work in my opinion, and and I've I've listened to mediums talk about this, ex mediums, ex witches talk about this, and what they say uh, specifically, an ex medium that was on uh, Michael Knowles a few months ago, I think. Mm. Uh, what she was saying was like, these things are, uh, you know, if these demons that are attached to you, watch your patterns, right? Like when you're married to someone for 10 years, they're going to know at 6 a.m. you drink coffee. Yeah. And at this time you do this and you're inclined towards these things. Um, and the demons are just that more intuitive. Think about uh, a mentalist, right? Like when we think of a human medium, like a fake yeah. one, we think of a mentalist, someone who's just like really super really observant. Smart. Yeah. And they're really good at knowing things about you that they shouldn't know. And it's probably not magic. And most mm. of the time, I think demons whisper into some of these people's ears. But my point is they're mm-hmm. super observant, right? Um, but yeah, no, I don't think, I don't think that um, yeah. the other prophecies are prophecies. That's why they, they're, they're so often false. I think they're just really, really good predictors. Yeah, I think there's a reason that they keep coming to God for prophetic words instead of mm-hmm. going somewhere else. Because they, they clearly don't want him. Right. right? But they, they need him for this thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, when a land sins against me by acting faithlessly, and I stretch up my hand against it and break its supply of bread and send famine upon it and cut off from it man and beast, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness, declares the Lord God. I like the, I love how this is a callback to the hit, the conversation with Abraham over, Sodom mm-hmm. and Gomorrah, where he's like, would you save it for just 10 good men? I, like, I was going to say, I like that too. Even if Noah, Daniel, and Job. <laughs> I, side note, maybe this doesn't matter. Maybe nobody's interested in this. But I listened to a guy for like 30 minutes earlier talk about this particular phrase about how people have argued why it has Daniel in there because Daniel's a contemporary. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of different interpretations. Some I think are bad where they, they try to say it's talking about a different Daniel. Mm. Um, but I think that it's important to realize that Ezekiel saying, saying certain things 
Um, but it was probably written down much later than he said most of these things. So mm -hmm. the idea of Daniel being a contemporary and people not knowing who he is, probably it's just the fact that Daniel was a contemporary. His book, the book of Daniel probably was mm -hmm. written before the book of Ezekiel. It's not, I don't mm -hmm. know, people, people in the biblical circles get like really, you, what's the what's the word? Like when I was in college, there was a lot of like, well, I don't know if the Bible really says that. And I don't know if this really happened, if that book was really written by the person who says it was. Like uh, maybe just a lot of a lot of stuff like that where they're just trying to find ways to like make the they, they claim to be Christians, but their whole life's work is like trying to find ways to make the Bible not say what the Bible says. It's like instead of putting your energy into that, why don't you put your energy into understanding how it could be true? Like if you're having trouble with a verse, if you genuinely, if you're having trouble with a verse, there's nothing wrong with that. There are definitely right. times in my life where I've been like, God, I do not <clears throat> get this verse is just not make either making sense to me or not sitting well with me. And I'll just be like, can you please help me with it? And he always does. Mm. There has never been a time where I felt like he, he, he was mad at me for having a, a problem, having a hard time with a verse. I just find it funny that, um, People will spend their whole their whole life's work will come down to there's one name in one verse in the one part of the Bible and it doesn't make sense to me. I can believe that you know the rest of the stuff. I can believe that Jesus was was God that was made into man and he rose from born the of dead, a virgin but... and rose from the dead and performed miracles. <laughs> but I couldn't possibly believe that Ezekiel had heard whisperings of Daniel's work inside the temple because Ezekiel lived outside of the temple. That yeah. was literally what the argument comes down to. It's pretty ridiculous. I'm like, <laughs> who cares? Yeah, maybe just <clears throat> calm down. <laughs> it's, it's also okay to ask it also questions. doesn't make the Bible or Ezekiel not true. Right. If this was written later and the reference to Daniel was written later. Yeah. Considering it's, that, like, the way to yeah. understand when uh, how these books are written is they're they're paraphrasing a life's work of prophecy from from a guy. Yeah. Um. Anyway. It's okay to ask questions. You need to ask questions in good in good faith. Like if, if mm -hmm. you actually are being honest with yourself, if you believe that the Bible is true and that God is who he says he is, then ask your questions in good faith and they'll be answered. <laughs> answered safe says, yeah, that's the odd part. <laughs> that Ezekiel might have known about Daniel, uh, his contemporary, <laughs> yeah, also living in Babylon at the same time. I swear people get hung up on the stupidest <laughs> things so that they can avoid the real point of the passage. That's what too. it is though, right? It, there's... This is to me Satan infiltrating Christian. Mm. Um, uh, what's uh, higher education? That's not the yeah. word I was looking for, but um, intellectuals, people, yeah. you know, infiltrating the Christian intellectuals, be like, what thing can I get hung up on, and then make it seem like it's a big deal to the point where I can use this one little <laughs> sliver, this li yeah. this little in to get in and 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 cause doubt amongst a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of people. And that's constantly yeah. what it was. That's what I was noticing when I studied it. Every time I listened to people who are like really getting into the language and they have these long, lengthy debates about, well, Daniel was written with four letters in Ezekiel and was written with five letters in Daniel. And yes, that could have been a shortened version of it considering that it was also used that way in Daniel with four letters. It was like a whole thing. Oh, and I was just word. like, you're missing the forest for the tree. Yeah. Anyway. Just like, let God be true. <laughs> right. Well, that's my point, right? It's like, there's things in my life where I know, like I can get hung up and nitpick on the little things, yeah. but then I have to think back through a life of, of faith and be like, oh yeah, there was those times, there was those miracles. There was those things that happened where I realized I have gone beyond the point where I could 
deny God's existence. Yeah. I've just witnessed too much. I've seen too much that I can't, I can't ignore his existence, but then I'll still get hung up on like some stupid little word Yeah, and be like, well, I don't know. That seems a little improbable that Ezekiel who was living outside of the temple would have heard of Daniel oh uh, contemporaneously. Just silly stuff like that. <sighs> Sorry. Maybe, maybe Side people talked over. about Daniel. Maybe people knew about Daniel. That's my guys. point. The dude's in a lion's den. You don't think the city's talking about this? Yeah. Like that seems like the type of story. They threw that would three dudes spread. in a furnace. You don't think people are talking about them either? <laughs> and they walked out. You don't think people talk? It's it's one of the most commonly told Bible stories. You tell it to little children, but you don't think Ezekiel heard about it? Come on. While he was living like five feet away. I know. Oh my god. I know. I was oh, just like, anyway. it, like no one ever. And, and by the way, that it, that idea of people talking was never brought up in the thirty minute conversation about that one verse. And I was like. Because they don't actually believe it's talk. real, right? Like, in order to have a thought like that, you have to actually believe that this <coughs> was real and it happened to real people. I don't think they actually believe that in their hearts. That's what I'm saying. I think a lot of these intellectual types, they don't they don't actually believe. Because it's such a simple explanation really that a normal easy. person would just be like, yeah, people talk. When a dude goes gets thrown in the lion's den and then doesn't get eaten, that yeah. probably spreads. People probably, probably talk. Probably. <laughs> Gossip circuit was real in Babylon is my point, guys. <laughs> Proof they didn't even, human nature. They didn't even I don't have need TV to, sort to distract that. I don't them. I don't cite that one. Yeah, right. There you go. Like, of course they're going to care about, even before the lion's den, they're going to care about every <clears> single <throat> little thing that happens to the powerful Jewish people in the king's court. Of course they do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's their Game of Thrones. <laughs> exactly. All right. Um, okay. <laughs> Wow. Okay. And if I cause, 15, sorry. and if I cause wild beasts to pass through the land and they ravage it, and it be made desolate, so that no one may pass through because of the beasts, even if these three men were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would neither, de- de- they, <laughs> they would deliver neither sons nor daughters. They alone would be delivered, but the land would be desolate. Or right, if this I, this is a callback to the way that God's dealt with yeah, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is worse. It's worse than mm-hmm. Sodom and Gomorrah. This comes up a lot in the next few chapters. So I just want to preface this by saying like there's a whole idea in this time um, that was very common that people really believe that your sons and daughters would be punished by the iniquities of the father. And God's going to deal with that over and over and over again in these next few chapters. So, okay, cool. I I find it interesting how much he focuses on the land. Like Mm -hmm. he's dealing with an aggregate of the people. Um, and, And it seems to be that on aggregate, you can do so much evil to the land that the land just gets evil. The land itself gets evil, like soaked in it. Yeah. And then he's kind of punishing the, the land almost. Like, mm. or if I bring a sword upon that land and say, let a sword pass through the land and I cut off it from it, men and beast. Though these three men were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they alone would be delivered. Or if I send a pestilence in, into that land and pour wrath upon it, with blood to cut off from it man and beast. Even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness. For thus says the Lord God, how much more when I send upon Jerusalem my four disastrous acts of judgment, sword, famine, wild beasts, and pestilence to cut off from it man and beast. Is that the four horsemen? Can you check? 
at, well, at least three of them are. I'm trying to think of wild beasts. Sword, famine, wild beasts, and pestilence. Because pestilence is the pale horse, the green horse. Right? Yeah. Because that's another, sorry, another side tangent I was learning about this week is pale. Another word for pale is light green. It's green, yeah. Yeah, so um, when people depict the pale horse as green, that's probably accurate. Um, keep reading. Uh, I'll, I'll look that up. I put potato in my mouth. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the fourth horseman. Mm-hmm. I remember war, famine, and, and pestilence. But wild beasts. Okay. Um, war, hunger, death, war, hmm. conquest, war, hunger, and death. So not exactly, but it's interesting. Huh. The wild beast thing is interesting. Is it just, is it just because, you know, that was such a, a greater threat at the time or I don't know. I'm trying not to get like, I'm not trying, trying not to read things into it that I want to read into it being like, it's dog, man. <laughs> well, it, it was, it was there a lot in like conquering Israel. The idea was, I think there, there seemed to have been a lot of discussion that at first, there weren't enough people in Israel to counteract how many wild beasts there were. And they had to like grow their population slowly and conquer some of the wilder land. Yeah, um, it's just not and, as a big of an issue to us yeah, anymore. Right? And e- even out the population of wild beasts. I think the idea is like once you pull the people out of Israel, then the wild beasts take over. Th- right. This is a theme that comes up a lot that the, the creatures take over. I just wonder about. Yeah, what, animal what human hybrids and stuff like yeah. that. Let's talk about Enoch and things like that. Yeah. Like how how wild? How wild how are wild? we talking? <laughs> <laughs> are we talking about centaurs? That's what I want to know. All right. Oh goodness. Um, okay. We're on twenty-two. My four yeah. But behold, some survivors will be left in it. So he it, it's this tension between I am coming against the whole land, everything's getting wrecked, and also mm-hmm. Some survivors, because there are some people who do have that level of righteousness of Job and Daniel and Noah. Well, the thing that God keeps doing is he keeps telling them the the truth, right? He's telling them, yes, I'm not going to hide it from you. It's going to be bad, but I've promised to keep a remnant. I made Mm -hmm. this promise to David. I'm going to continue my promise. Right. You're going to be punished. Right. But don't think that that, you know, that lets you guys off the hook. <laughs> exactly. You know and what I, I mean? think like, or I don't know if that's the way to put it, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm still yeah. going to keep my promise. And, and the, the coincidence of, of those three, Noah, Daniel, and uh, Job is that they were all like kind of alone in their righteousness in their yeah. time. Like I get the idea that Job and his family were kind of just living out in the wild. There were it doesn't seem like there's a lot of people around him. There's no Not mention a lot of the about city. Job. There was a, that was another argument I was listening to today. Is like was Job pre was the oldest book in the Bible? Some people think so. I think I so. Don't. Do you? I don't I know. Think, well, I think it's the first one that was written down. Written down. That's possible. Because I think um, he predates but it, but Moses. Most people believe, yeah, I think so. Most people believe that um, it predates Israel. He was not an Israelite because Israel hadn't existed mm-hmm. yet, like like Noah. Right, um, right. But the, there are arguments for later dating just based on like verbiage and word choices and stuff like that, but I'm not an sure. expert on any of it. So. Sure. I don't think yeah. it ultimately matters. It's one of those things that people get real nitpicky about, and it's like, to be honest, like Job is so poetical, it doesn't even like... 
I'm, I, this, I'm not trying to sound heretical here. What I'm saying is the Bible, it doesn't have to even be literally true for it to have be that important, like that important right. of a story, right? And I, I think, think like the argument over over that mm-hmm. is a little, it's it's missing the point again, where it's like the, the point, it's more of a parable and a poem in a lot of ways. I think it was literally true. Yeah. I'm not saying it wasn't, but it doesn't even have to be for the point to be there and for its sure. importance in the Bible to be there. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that that is is <coughs> changes the dating is it talks about snow, mm. and uh, it just it feels wrong for the time period. But if you put it closer to the flood, where the climate is still figuring itself out, adjusting after this right, massive right, cataclysm, yeah. you can start to explain why there was snow in this part of the world. That is very interesting. I never thought of that. So. Probably. It's probably yeah. not that far after like the Tower of Babel and su- stuff like that, right? I I, I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's start with 22 again. I don't know if okay. we finished that verse. But behold, some survivors will be left in it, sons and daughters who will be brought out. Behold, when they come out to you and you see their ways and their deeds, you will be consoled for the disaster that I have brought upon Jerusalem for all that I have brought upon it. They will console you when you see their ways and their deeds, and you shall know that I have not done without cause all that I have done in it, declares the Lord God. So like these people have been righteous and have put everybody else to shame and their very existence proves that God was right to punish right. the land, I think is the idea, right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Chapter 15. It's a lot. Uh, sorry. One last thing. No. It, a lot of this is about individual responsibility, yes. right? Um, and it's going to, it's a, it's a thing that's going to keep coming up is like, you're not saved because other people around you are righteous. Cause Jerusalem as a whole at this point is mm-hmm. pretty damn wicked, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's really wicked. So yeah, the, the punishment is, is going to be widespread because the culture is so wicked. And I yeah. think that's an important thing to remember is that God does deal with things like that, but he still has a heart for individuals. individuals. And it's like there are times and there are times where you might get away with things a little bit more because the people around you are fairly righteous and you mm-hmm. kind of skate under the radar because mm-hmm. your your culture hasn't risen to that point. Mm. Um, but this is the point where it's like only if you're righteous will you be saved because this whole and, and even then Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, they they were they were not spared from, from yeah they hardship. go through a lot yeah yeah go through a lot saved individually like Daniel at times but not spared from hardship right <coughs> fifteen and the word of the Lord came to me son of man how does the wood of the vine surpass any wood the vine branch that is among the trees sorry of the I'm, I got to cut you off I'm sorry no. I, I really apologize but this is like really bothering me because I had one more part to that that thought is because there's a certain mindset that I've seen a lot on Twitter from a, from a lot of, uh, you know, internet Christians Mm. (laughs) that is, I can be holy. Why do I care about the culture around Mm. me? It's such a wicked misunderstanding of the Bible (laughs) and God. And, uh, it, it, it just grosses me out and bothers me so much that every time that there's anything in the Bible that reminds me of it, I think back to the people who have argued with me on Twitter saying, why do I care if a million babies are slaughtered a year? I'm a righteous person. And I would say, no, you're not. No, you're not. Yeah. Uh, no, you're not. Righteous people and, uh, care. <laughs> righteous people care. Uh, and there is such thing as, again, an entire culture becoming demon-possessed and, and God 
dealing with that culture and you're not and you are not going to be saved from it just because you think you're good. Yeah. Um, and just the idea that you think you're good kind of says a lot about you anyway. <laughs> Instead of realizing that uh, even even the best of us are just dirty rags, right? Without the blood of Christ, so yeah, ah, just things like that just irk me so much. Where it's like, well, what do I care if the culture is going to hell? I'm I'm a decent person. No, you're not. No, you're not. Sorry. Keep going. Go ahead. It's <laughs> a really good point. Um, okay. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of Man. How does the wood of the vine surpass any wood? The vine branch that is among the trees of the forest is wood taken from it to make anything. Do people take a peg from it to hang any vessel on? So basically the wood from a vine is useless. Nobody uses vine wood to make shit. This is so interesting too, because when God normally talks about Israel as a vine, he's talking about in their ability to bear fruit. Yes. And in this example, he's just saying you bear no fruit. Yeah. You're and I, now I will compare you to a vine that's only usefulness is in burning. Yeah. Like that is how, that is how far Israel strayed from God that there's not even the question of it's withered up. There's not much fruit, there's right. some fruit. It's you are, your, your vine is literally only being compared to its usefulness in a fire. That's yeah. pretty harsh language when you understand the pair of the continuing continuing parable throughout all the old and new Testament about Israel being a vine. Mm-hmm. And I think kind of in this is like the, the idea of the chosen people where he's like, I chose you out to be this special thing that bears fruit. Yeah. If you don't bear fruit, you're not even as useful as these other countries who are bearing wood that I can at least make something out of make a house from. Yeah. 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 And he's you like, can't so build anything out of a wood, a vine in the forest. You can burn it and that's about it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, behold, it is given to the fire for fuel. When the fire has consumed both ends of it and the middle of it is charred, is it useful for anything? Behold, when it was whole, it was used for nothing. How much less when the fire has consumed it and it is charred, can it ever be used for anything? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, like the wood of the vine among the trees of the forest, which I have given to the fire for fuel. So have I given up the inhabitants of Jerusalem and I will set my face against them, though they escape from the fire and the fire shall yet consume them. And you will know that I am the Lord when I set my face against them and I will make the land desolate because they have acted faithlessly, declares the Lord God. And that's, I want to keep stressing that, that line and you will know that I am the Lord. There's so much in, in, it's not just Ezekiel. It's like Isaiah, Jeremiah, all of this, all of the prophets are like, I'm going to do this and you will know that I am the Lord. I'm going to do this and you will know that I am the Lord. Yeah. I like it. Answer was... says, nobody is more saved than me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really short chapter and the next chapter is super long. Yeah. So, But the parable, I think we got the, the gist of the parable. Got, yeah. Yeah. We got it. Okay. 16. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations and say, thus says the Lord your God to Jerusalem. So again, this is, this is for some reason he's singling out Jerusalem and not talking about the entire land of Israel right now. I was listening to uh, people talk about end times prophecy earlier and just how important Jerusalem is Mm -hmm. to the, you know, and what Ezekiel talks about essentially just get a brief overview and this will come up in 37 and 38 mostly. Um, but the idea being that Jerusalem will be scattered again after after this for a mm-hmm. long time. It'll be reclaimed into one land. This is 1947, 1948. Um, and that eventually Jerusalem will become its capital again. This is 2017, mm-hmm. 20, 
essentially, well, I don't know. Sorry, I'm not an expert on that whole sure timeline region and timeline, but like the whole thing, the whole idea of Trump putting the embassy, the U.S. embassy in Jerusalem, and recognizing it as the capital of Israel again was a huge yeah. signal flare for the yeah. world at that time. So we're, we've we've been seeing biblical prophecy fulfilled that's talked about in Ezekiel, starting with your grandparents up and through our time. So yeah. we've all lived through. So it's pretty pretty interesting stuff. But you're right, it's focusing on Jerusalem a lot, and I think that's a good uh, observation. Yeah. Thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, your origin and your birth are of the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. And as for your birth, on the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling cloths. No eye pitied you to do any of the things to you out of compassion for you, but you were cast out on the open field, for you were abhorred on the day that you were born. And when I passed by you and saw you wallowing in your blood, I said to you in your blood, live. And I said to you in your blood, live. I made you flourish like a plant of the field and you grew up and became tall and arrived at full adornment. Your breasts were formed and your hair had grown, yet you were naked and bare. When I passed by you again and saw you, behold, you were the age for love. And I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine. Then I bathed you with water and washed off your blood from you and anointed you with oil. I clothed you also with (laughs) embroidered cloth and shod you with fine leather. I wrapped you in fine linen and covered you with silk. And I adorned you with ornaments and put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck. And I put a ring on your nose. Christian parents who say nose rings are bad. <laughs> Bible it. says it a couple of times <laughs> that how how it's a mark of beauty. It's also in Song of Solomon. Yeah, but you, the only time nose rings are bad is when you put them in a pig's snout. That's when you're not supposed to do it. Right. Yeah. So we have you it heard entirely it entirely backwards because my grandparents say, "Oh yeah, we used to put a ring like that in the bull's nose," and I was like, "Yeah, that's well, literally what God said not to do." But okay, that's my point. <laughs> Uh, okay. <coughs> a ring in your nose and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown in your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver and your clothing was of fine linen and silk and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour and honey and oil. You grew exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty and your renown went forth among the nations because of your beauty for it was perfect through the splendor that I had bestowed on you declares the Lord God. So what you can see in this description, uh, <laughs> if you're following along is the history of Israel mm-hmm. put into the context of God being the groom yeah, and Israel being the bride. Of, yeah. So if you're like each part, if you understand the history, you can be like, oh, this is when they were in Egypt. This mm-hmm. is when they were wandering through the desert. This is when they finally had a uh, uh, their own town. This is when they built walls. This is when they became rich under King Solomon. This mm-hmm. is when they built the temple. So it's all of those things. It's just the history of Israel given into a very poetic uh, parable. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's all that is. It's, the history yeah. of Israel from coming out of the out of Egypt and becoming the nation that was overflowing with milk and honey. Yeah. Essentially. It's a really visceral it's a really visceral metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um but you trusted in your beauty and played the whore because of your renown and lavished your whorings on any passerby, your beauty became his. You took some of your garments and made for yourself colorful shrines and on them played the whore. The like has never been nor ever shall be. We're probably going to get taken off of YouTube for this stream. (laughs) Whore! Suck it! (laughs) 
<laughs> that would be actually hilarious if if our final stream on YouTube was reading Ezekiel 16. Yeah, well, wait till we get to Ezekiel 23. That might get kicked <laughs> off. <laughs> For people who don't know, I don't know if we'll get to it today, but sorry, side note, I won't tell you what it is, but yeah. I had a pastor friend. Spoilers. No, 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 I'm not going to tell you what it is. I had a pastor friend who, um, <laughs> when when people asked him his favorite verse, he would give them Ezekiel 23, whatever. I don't remember what it is. And <laughs> when we get there, you'll get the joke. But the point was that people would read it and go, oh, and he'd be like, yeah, because I can't like I don't like verses. I like context. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he's always playing a joke on people like don't read the verses. Read the whole thing. Read get the, the whole context. context. Yeah. Um, anyway, when we get there, I'll point it out. Um, Hicktown Honey says I'm lost. Who is Israel? Christians? No, it's it's Israel. It's Israel. Yeah. Um, it's this is all very specific to. I mean, there's, there's of course, timeless truth in it, but it's very specific <coughs> right now to God talking to Israel about his history with them um, and where the, they're at right now. There's a lot of dual meaning in, in the Bible, and there's a lot of dual prophecy. Right. So there are definitely times where it's appropriate to say, this is how Israel acted the whore. This is how mm. we, humanity, right. as in general, and Christians have played the whore. That is absolutely timeless. It, Take it can an be example. applied to us yeah. as well as to them. But he's very specifically talking to Israel here. Doesn't mean that it doesn't also apply to us in in yeah. con, in a way. Like if the um, shoe fits. If the shoe if fits. If the shoe fits. That is exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Um, some people will be like, some people will read it without that context, be like, oh, we're the new Jerusalem, we're the new bride, we're the new Israel, we're great and wonderful and, and amazing. And I'm like, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Have you looked around? <laughs> I think you could actually say that God probably feels the same way about American Christians as he did about Israel about Israel in, in this at time. this time, yeah. yeah, probably. Yeah, but no, it, it's it's kind of both, but it's not. Don't ex you can't write Israel out of the story. Let's put it that way. Yeah, they are the story. The story is about Israel. Yeah, yeah. we're the we're the side chick. Yes, <laughs> as it says in was it Corinthians or Romans Romans eleven Romans eleven. <laughs> the Gentiles are the side chick. <laughs> Look it up. The only point of us is to make Israel <laughs> jealous. <laughs> it's also it's also interesting in Revelation that it says essentially uh, at some point uh, we'll have reached all the saved Gentiles yeah. and then your story's over. <laughs> yeah, and then Raptured I'm gonna and, and then yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> rapture you out and then we're gonna have a revival in Israel. That's yeah. the thing that a lot of mm, Christian nationalists want to ignore is that so much Revelation is about God bringing His chosen people back to Him. We have a we have a um, dog shite poster sixty nine says Christians of the New Testament Israel were all grafted into the new covenant through faith in Christ. I think this there's there's like I, I see this a lot. It's it's not. I, I think that there's like a mistake in preaching that's happened or something because yes we are grafted in. Yes, that does not make us Israel. That makes or the new Israel. It makes us part. In the same way that okay, so Israel was to was was two things. It was it was a race of people all descended from Jacob, all of Jacob's sons. And, and so it was an ethnic thing, but it was mm -hmm. also a law and religion. And so any um, alien or sojourner, anybody who was not of that ethnicity who wanted to join Israel could. Right. Um, and as long as they came into the law and 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 went through a process and, and came into the law. And in the same way, God grafted in 
the Gentiles. Christians, yeah. Christians, Grafted yeah. in Gentile Christians, but that doesn't make us Israel. It, it makes us part of the story. But part we are I think a lot of times part we're of like, the, we're the, the bride, we're the yeah. story now. And we're we're not. We're just we're part of it. Well, we, like got to, I said, we got included. It, it, Revelation's really clear that we are part of the story now. Our time will end. Yes. And then it'll become re, Israel, you know, again. <laughs> Israel again. It really will. Yes. It's, it's all yeah. of what Revelation is about is that at some point the Gentile time it says it, the time of the Gentiles will end. Yeah. And then there will be a revival in Israel. So so there is, yeah, some people forget that whole part and are like, Israel's all in the past and it's completely over and we're the new yeah. thing and they don't matter anymore. And that's just, you have to ignore a lot of uh, Romans and Revelation to get and to if that we, point. If we understand God's heart for the lost, mm-hmm. we should want this, right? A hundred percent. Like Israel's chosen, but I, I think that it's it's like so that we have one one example to look at and root for and learn from. And I think we were all supposed to be rooting for them. And instead, for some reason, and I think this started with the Catholic Church. It became this this like competition yeah. of like, you know, Christians are, are better than is Israel. And to the extent that Christians are saved and a lot of Israel isn't right now. That's by the grace of God. Christians and Americans especially tend to make it all about us. Yes. Yes. It's been a particular problem of the American Christian church to make all of the Bible all about us particularly. Yeah. Um, But we Um, we can keep this, that, that idea will keep coming up. It'll keep coming up. We'll we'll revisit it in a little bit. Yeah. Um, Um, Sorry. One last thing. Cause, cause the, I think that will come up soon is um, what what is fulfilled in Christ. And mm. the idea is people, you always hear like the Old Testament God is this angry, vengeful God, and there's no mm-hmm. grace. And there's, it's not true. It's not, <laughs> like, true. No. it's not true. And it's so apparent Have in Ezekiel. Have you read that, the Bible? Well, most people haven't, right? It's, it's so, so apparent in Ezekiel. I would say Job is a per, another great, not yeah. Job, Job, Jonah is Jonah. another great example of this, where God had an idea that he was putting in his people's minds for grace and compassion mm-hmm. and and his ultimate goal. And in and in the fulfillment of Jesus, he says the law, you could never fulfill it. That was kind of the yeah. point is that you can't fulfill it and you need grace. And that's even talked about in Ezekiel, as we'll see soon. So Yeah. And Jonah's interesting because that's not even a that one's not about Israel. I mean, Jonah himself is Jewish, but it's about Nineveh. Well, and, I was and gonna a say Gentile people he has a hundred percent, but also the fishermen, right? The fishermen mm. uh, turn and they're like, whoever your God is, we're worshiping him yeah. now and God shows them grace. Yeah. Um, I think it's so really... So that was always, that was always there and people right. just ignore it. I think a lot of people don't also don't realize like God didn't do things for no reason or just like an arbitrary thing. I think he, in a lot of ways, had to pick one isolated group of people um, and use it as a demonstration to like yes. prove to the other nations, this is what happens when a culture follows me, and this is what that's happens why they were when set it apart. Doesn't. That's that's why they were set apart right. and asked to do weird things. And and I think somebody might have just mentioned this in chat, but it, I, I think that the other part is also the bloodline stuff is so important. The more that I learn mm. about the Nephilim tribes, the more I'm like, oh, this there was an actual real blood, blood component that yeah. mattered. And that's why intermarrying was such a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like, do not marry outside your tribe. Don't your- marry Nephilim tribes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It really, it really yeah. is. 
kill them all and not just the <laughs> men, but the women and the children too. Yeah. But and, and again, that is against the Jewish law, except when they're facing tribes who have Nephilim yeah. uh, blood. And we've talked about this. It's pretty apparent in, in Numbers 13 and in Genesis 14. If you mm-hmm. if you read and understand the names, what it's saying, and the and the bloodlines, which is the reason it gives you the bloodlines, which was always the most boring part of the Bible right. until you're like, oh, it's important. God. Yeah, God does not do things on accident. Yeah, it's like the most. I think it's the boring parts of the Bible that are actually secretly the most important and the most interesting because it's like I'm just gonna hide some stuff here. You're not gonna notice for a couple thousand years because you're silly. But those nerds will like <laughs> dive into it and figure it out for you. Okay, where what verse are we on? Uh, 18. 18. And you took your embroidered garments to cover them <coughs> and set my oil and my incense before them. Also, my bread that I gave you, I fed you with fine flour and oil and honey. You set before them for a pleasing aroma. And so it was, declares the Lord God. And you took your sons and your daughters whom you had borne to me, and these you sacrificed to them to be devoured. Were your whoring so small a matter that you slaughtered my children and delivered them up as an offering by fire to them? God hates child sacrifice. It yep. oftentimes seems to be in culture that where he's like, oh, we're done. We are done. <laughs> this this far, no farther. Um, and in all your abominations and your whorings, did you not remember the days of your youth when you were naked and bare wallowing in your blood? And after all your wickedness, woe, woe to you, declares sorry, the Lord sorry. God. Really quick, because we were making the point earlier. This this is one of those lines that can also be applied to the American Christians we were talking about. Mm. When you're naked and bare, wallowing in your own blood, we were Gentiles. We were not included in the plan mm. originally. And mm-hmm. and it, again, Romans 11 talks about the pride and haughtiness that comes from thinking that it's all about us now. Um, we've been grafted in and we uh, kind of let pride take over instead mm-hmm. of instead of realizing that's God's grace, and that it's yeah. a gift that we don't deserve. Uh, sorry, go ahead. 100%. I don't mean to keep making the same point, but I think it's important, it's important. just because we've seen the context around the whole Israel-Palestine, Christian nationalism, yeah. you know, uh, alt-right conversations that are happening on the internet where it's just this is not talked about. Yeah, there's a lot of... And, and specifically in the conspiracy space, we're the only ones who don't hate the Jews. So <laughs> almost. I increasingly, and I, I want to say this so carefully, because I, I think that there's so much room for us all to disagree. Mm-hmm. But I'm finding more and more that the post-millennial viewpoint is an error that breeds a lot of other errors and leads to a, a real skewed view of the world and our role in it. Swim, yeah, agreed. Swim says Ezekiel makes this point four hundred and two thousand three hundred ninety four times. It's, <laughs> it's important. important. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Ezekiel likes the repetition, guys. We'll get through. He this. does. Uh, Twenty three. And after all your wickedness, woe, woe to you, declares the Lord God. You built yourself a vaulted chamber and made yourself a lofty place in every square. At the head of every street, you built your lofty place <coughs> and made your beauty an abomination, offering yourself to any passerby, and multiplying your whoring. And this is what what this is talking about is like Israel took on like every single God from every single culture they could get their hands on. It wasn't like they just picked up one set. It's like every single person who came to trade 
And Solomon yeah, because really Solomon made... married every woman All from every them. culture <laughs> around, and just like yeah, bring your Pulled gods too. Pulled in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he was very multicultural. That Solomon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you also played the whore with the Egyptians, your lustful neighbors, multiplying your whoring to provoke me to anger. Behold, therefore, I stretched out my hand against you and diminished your allotted portion and delivered you to the greed of your enemies and, da- and the daughters of the Philistines who were ashamed of your lewd behavior. He's like, the people yeah, around you are He's ashamed like, of the you. The Philistines, guys, they <laughs> were embarrassed on your behalf. <laughs> You played the whore also with the Assyrians because you were not satisfied. Yes, you played the whore with them and still you were not satisfied. And this is this is always the case with sin, right? You keep chasing mm-hmm. it and it's never going to satisfy you and you keep chasing it. It's just, it's never, it's going to only get worse. Mm-hmm. You multiplied your whoring also with the trading land of Chaldea. And even with this, you were not satisfied. How sick is your heart, declares the Lord God, because you did all these things, the deeds of a brazen prostitute, building your vaulted chamber at the head of every street and making your lofty place in every square. Yet you were not like a prostitute because you scorned payment. (sighs) Adulterous wife who receives strangers instead of her husband. Men give gifts to all prostitutes, but you gave your gifts. You gave your gifts to all your lovers, bribing them to come to you from every side with your whorings. So you were different from other women in your whorings. No one solicited no one solicited you to play the whore, and you gave payment while no payment was given to you. Therefore, you were different. Therefore, O prostitute, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because your lust was poured out and your nakedness uncovered in your whorings, with your lovers and with all your abominable idols and because of the blood of your children that you gave to them. Therefore, behold, I will gather all your lovers with whom you took pleasure, all those you loved and all those you hated. I will gather them against you from every side and will uncover your nakedness to them that they may all see your nakedness. And I will judge you as women who commit adultery and shed blood are judged and bring upon you the blood of wrath and jealousy. And I will give you into their hands and they shall throw down your vaulted chamber and break down your lofty places. They shall strip you of your clothes and take your beautiful jewels and leave you naked and bare. They shall bring up a crowd against you and they shall stone you and cut you to pieces with their swords and they shall burn your houses and execute judgments upon you in the sight of many women. I will make you stop playing the whore and you shall also give payment no more. So will I satisfy my wrath on you and my jealousy shall depart from you and I will be calm And will no more be angry because you have not remembered the days of your youth, but have enraged me with all these things. Therefore, behold, I have returned your deeds upon your head, declares the Lord God. Have you not committed lewdness in addition to all your abominations? I appreciate here that he's like, I am. This is what you did. This is what I'm going to do about it. And then I'm going to get over it. Mm -hmm. There there is a there is an end. People people kind of act like God's wrath is just endless. And it's not. He. He has a, there is an end to it. And this right. is the, the people that he's talking to about talking to like this, where it's like such betrayal and such evil that they've done to him, like really hurt him personally, right? It really, this whole passage is like really viscerally personal betrayal type stuff. Yeah. But this is the same people he sent Jesus to. Right. So there's never a point where he just like completely gives up. There's always like, okay, you fucked up and we're going to have some problems for a while and I'm going to send some judgments, but I'm still after you. 
And the story is still me chasing you one way Mm -hmm. or the other. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, endless grace. When you think about it this way, like how many, how many wives does someone have 700 plus 300 concubines, something like that. Almost all of them bringing in their own gods from their own nations. Yeah. It's like you have the God who created the universe and you're chasing after hundreds yeah. thousands maybe of, of other, other gods. of other gods for for what and i think that he uses this um this like imagery. if that was a mm-hmm. oh your sound's gone right now yeah i'm saying this is the imageries of a husband and wife because if you're a husband and you're thinking of your wife sleeping around with 700 other men yeah you kind of get the picture Right. Like that's that's, a lot of grace. I think God is communicating to us in the way that he's like, this is how I feel. And I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you about it in a metaphor that's going to make sense to you. Um, If you've ever been cheated on, this is how I feel. Right. So, and Uh, I appreciate that him try to speak in a language that we're going to understand. hundred percent. Brewman says, what time does the show start? My first live show. So I'm a little unfamiliar. Well, welcome Brewman, Brewman. 2168. Appreciate having you here. So our Monday nights are when we do Bible streams. We don't do them every Monday. Um, kind of have to play it by ear on when we're available. Uh, but if you if it's your first time making a live, we're live every Wednesday. So that's our, our regular main show. But we're glad to have you here. 7? 7. 7 p.m. Eastern. That's when we try to start everything. So we do game streams on Saturdays when we can. Mm-hmm. That's at 7. We do Rockfin, Locals, uh, Unhinged stuff at 7 on Thursdays. Yeah. So we try to keep that time kind of consistent um, right now. Yeah. And if you're in, in our Telegram or Discord, you'll get the you'll get the notifications. notifications. And all that. Yeah. I think we're going we're gonna, to pretty soon, we're going to make the Discord kind of a secret, like an inside. We're not going to say it on the show anymore and just kind of let people secretly find it or the community let yeah. you in on it. But that way we'll keep it um, tight. For show. For show. Okay. For show. All right. Let's keep going. We're at uh, 44. Uh, okay. Behold, everyone who uses Proverbs will use this proverb about you like mother, like daughter. You are the daughter of your mother who loathed her husband and her children. And you are the sister of your sisters who loathed their husbands and their children. Your mother was a Hittite and your father an Amorite. Like you're not special, I'm. I made you. Mm-hmm. And your elder sister is Samaria, who lived with her daughters to the north of you. And your younger sister, who lived to the south of you, is Sodom with her daughters. Not only did you walk in their ways and do according to their abominations, within a very little time you were more corrupt than they in all your ways. As I live, declares the Lord God, your sister Sodom and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Jesus said the same thing. That like you guys are worse than freaking Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> yeah. Behold, this yeah. was the guilt of your sister Sodom. Like I think in the beginning, there there are places God chose to judge for the sake of the bloodline. Like he, I think he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for the <coughs> bloodline, not because it was they were the most evil cities to ever ever exist ever, but so that they w- they wouldn't grow and and uh, get in the bloodline. Well, I mean, Sodom's specific sin was that uh, kind of sealed their fate was a very, again, a very specific sin. It was men trying to sleep with angels. Yep. So sleep with rape. Rape. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine trying to rape an angel like 
I can't imagine um, the mindset where where you're that right that bad. As I live, declares the Lord God, your sister Sodom and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and, and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. And this is this is something that actually, yes, the thing about the angels and trying to sleep with the angels is is really clear in the story. But when it's referenced in the New Testament uh, in, in here and in Hebrews, I think it is. The sin that's laid at the feet of Sodom and Gomorrah is their lack of hospitality. That like they were rich and they did nothing. Ah. It's yeah, they do lay that at their feet. I think it's in Second Peter where it talks specifically about the Yeah. Let's see. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. Where where guests come into the city. And instead of hospitality, they go and they try to rape them. Yeah. Okay. They were haughty and they, and did an abomination before me. So it does, it does mention the abomination. Yes. So I removed them when I saw it. Samaria has not committed half your sins. You have committed more abominations than they have and have made your sisters appear righteous by all the abominations that you have committed. Bear your disgrace, you also, for you have intervened on behalf of your sisters. Because of your sins in which you acted more abominably than they, they are more in the right than you. So be ashamed, you also, and bear your disgrace, for you have made your your sisters appear righteous. And I think something here that is talked about in other places, especially in the New Testament, is that once you know right from wrong, you are capable of so much more evil, yeah. um, depths of evil than before. So once God gives Israel the law... They are capable of more wickedness than the surrounding That's funny nations. because there's, there seems to be something that says this very early on in the Bible. Something, something about a tree of knowledge. Oh, hmm. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Strange. It's almost like when you know the, all, the, all, the, all the possibilities. Right. Yeah. No, but you're exactly right. You're held to a higher standard. Right. Uh, absolutely. This is right in the beginning of Ezekiel. God's like, hey. You know a lot. I'm going to give you a lot, and I'm going to hold mm. you to a much higher standard. And if you don't say the things I tell you to say, and someone commits the sins that I told you to tell them not to to do, right. that's on you. You this are is, held to a much why, higher standard. That's why I'm harder on the right than the left. That, exactly. That's why I've been harder on Christians stupid. for my whole life than <laughs> atheists for the right. same reason. Like at some point, if you're going to pretend <clears throat> you're the good guys. You have to actually be the good guys, not like two steps behind the bad guys doing the exact same stuff. Yeah. Can can uh, one of the mods remove brother Paul USMC? I don't have time for that shit. Um. Yeah, please. Ver- let's just let's let me let me be clear. The Bible is the Bible says. Those who curse Israel will be cursed. I don't want to be responsible for you being cursed. So don't, don't curse Israel in our chat. Let's, let's say that. Um, okay, let's see. Verse 53. I will restore their fortunes, both the fortunes of Sodom and her daughters and the fortunes of Samaria and her daughters, and I will restore your own fortunes in their midst that you may bear your disgrace and be ashamed of all that you have done, becoming a consolation to them. 
As for your sisters, Sodom and her daughters shall return to their former state. Do we know what Sodom is today? Do you have any notes in your Bible about it? I didn't realize it was a it had it was going to be restored. This is a this is into prophecy. Give me the verse number about. real quick. Um 55. 1655? 1655. Yeah, I had I've just never even I considered never, this. Yeah, I never even before. thought about it either. Um no, there's not much in here. I am so. Uh, I know that Elise and Jess have covered um, where people think modern day Sodom and Gomorrah are, um, but I can't remember. <laughs> I watched the episode. I just can't remember exactly where. Yeah, I'm um, not super great at geography though. That is interesting though. Read read that again. Read fifty five yeah. one time. As for your sisters, Sodom and her daughters shall return to their former state. And Samaria and her daughters shall return to their former state. And you and your daughters shall return to your former state. Was not your sister Sodom a byword in your mouth in the day of your pride before your wickedness was uncovered? Now you have become an object of reproach for the daughters of Syria and all those around her and for the daughters of the Philistines, those all around who despise you. You bear the penalty of your lewdness and your abominations, declares the Lord. Yeah, I know. I never, I never even realized that was in there about Sodom returning to its former state. That's fascinating. I want, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to look into that more for sure. More. For thus says the Lord God, I will deal with you as you have done. You who have despised the oath in breaking the covenant, yet I will remember my covenant with you in the days. Sorry, of your really youth. quickly. Um, Base Babe says. Uh, according to Google, almost all serious Bible scholars placed on the east side of the Jordan Ooh. River in the modern-day kingdom of Jordan. Huh. I thought it was Jordan. Okay. Interesting. Eyes on Jordan, you guys. Yep. Um, okay. Okay. Yet I will remember after all of this, after all, and like this, this has been a long chapter, but remember this whole chapter has been this whole thing about you cheated on me, you whore. Um, and then he says, yet I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish for you an everlasting covenant. Then you will remember your ways and be ashamed when you take your sisters, both your elder and your younger, and I give them to you as daughters, but not on account of the covenant with you. I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall know that I am the Lord, that you may remember and be confounded and never open your mouth again because of your shame when I atone for you for all that you have done, declares the Lord God. Yeah. That's incredible. It's like you're a whore for like nine pages, <laughs> but guess what? I still have grace for you. So yeah. I'm still going to, I'm, I'm gonna still going to right. keep my covenant with you. Not because you kept your covenant. This right. is very interesting in relationships. It's the idea that uh, there's always this idea of like vengeance that people have mm-hmm. instead of, um, instead of, Without without the uh, idea for atonement, without the idea that um, of keeping your own covenants, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, I need to get a tiny bit more uh, food. Okay. Um, do you want to take a quick break and show them like a sneak peek of the ugly Christmas sweaters we've been working on? Sure. Yeah, okay. I'll do that. While right, I'll you're... be right back. All right. So I know it's still October, guys. Um but I have been working on stuff that uh, we're going to be having out soon. 
Um, I wanted to start getting ready for Christmas is what I'm trying to say. So since you guys are watching and, and Abby suggests we do this, I'll just kind of show you some of the, uh, let me see if I can pull these up, some of the ugly Christmas sweaters I've been working on. Uh, partially, again, because I know that like ordering things takes time. People are going to start having Christmas parties early on. I know it's still spooky season. Abby put me up to it. Um, <laughs> but it'll be November soon. By by Thanksgiving, everybody's already having Christmas parties and stuff like that. So I'm just thinking, think ahead, order. Sometimes ordering a shirt takes a week or two weeks or something like that. You might have a Christmas party coming up where you really want to... Uh, let me see if I can do this. You really want to just make an impression on your whole family. So uh, this is my favorite one. <laughs> Making a list, checking it twice uh, with Hillary Clinton. So I don't know what you guys think about that. <laughs> I'm on Walmart's shopping schedule. Yeah, I know. Well, here's the thing. I've always made fun of people who are like listening to Christmas music like November 1st and Christmas stuff is already replaced. I think if you go to like Walmart now, they've already got Christmas. I know they already have Christmas stuff out. I'm just thinking ahead just for the fact that, again, you guys got to order stuff. You want these shirts. You need something funny. You need you need to make sure that your family uh, fights are interesting <laughs> this Christmas season. Um, here, let me see if I can. I'll just do it this way. So we've got uh, we got the Hillary Clinton one. We've got uh, all I want for Christmas is Epstein's client list. This is another one of my favorites. What I what I write for? Let's see if I can do this right. It's not working for me. Uh, so we got that one. We got nine eleven was an inside job. Ugly Christmas sweater. Uh, and I've got others I'm working on. So coming to a lot of different colors. Uh, let's see. We've got. Let's talk about aliens. Again, you know, you just want to have you want to have really good conversations at uh, the family Christmas. So yeah, those are the ones I have up so far. You know what? I'll give you guys a sneak peek. The one I haven't put out yet. Um, where is it? There we go. They're turning the freaking Yuletide gay. <laughs> I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the freaking frogs gay. Yeah. So if you want to turn the freaking Yuletide gay, we're gonna have we're gonna have ugly Christmas sweaters available real soon, guys. So, and we are absolutely down for um, any suggestions for Christmas stuff. If there's something that you're like, I really wish this existed so I could give it to my family or have this weird wrapping paper or whatever, like, yeah. let us know. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Sorry, but I'm at the stage of pregnancy where I'm like. The, the nausea is better, but I also have to eat <coughs> more frequently. <laughs> you should open a shirt design contest community for one of them. That's a great idea. What 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 could we give? What could we give to the winner if they uh, design an ugly Christmas sweater? Their very own gay frog as a pet. <laughs> I'll just I'll just pump it full of atrazine for you guys. <coughs> What I was thinking is that uh, between November 1st and Christmas, you know, with all the Christmas parties people are going to, I was thinking of doing a, a competition. I'll just say this on air. I'm just, you know, just going to make it a thing. I haven't even talked to Abby about this, but oh, I, have no. the, I have the power. I'm just going to do it. Um, so between, 
because we're just previewing stuff like the day before Halloween about Christmas. Because that's the way we do things. Um, <laughs> we're skipping over. We're skipping over the the demonic holiday right. for the for the Christian one. So, what I was thinking is, if you whoever sends in the best picture of them wearing one of our ugly Christmas sweaters between oh. now and the end of the year, we'll get a hundred dollar gift card. That's okay. what I promise you guys. So like um, if you get like a really, really great, you know, uh, picture of you at a family Christmas where your uncle's just like fuming and, you know, you got the Hillary Clinton shirt on or something like that, uh, I will send you $100. So post them on. I think what we'll do is you post them on Instagram, you tag us in it, the whole the whole deal. Mm-hmm. We'll pick one by the end of the year. So um, but uh, yeah, we've got four or five ugly Christmas sweaters designed so far. We're going to do things like wrapping paper and, and all that stuff. So if you want to have a really conspiracy Christmas, we're going to make it a possibility. So bonus points. If, if these, if these photos are like candid, right? Like it would be, it would be hilarious if you, if you set up a funny picture, you know, that's staged fine. You can do that. But bonus points if it's candid and your uncle's actually mad at you. Base Babe says, what are the rules? Just take a picture of you in the in the ugly Christmas sweater, one of ours. Between now and the end of the year, the best one wins a $100 gift card. And if anybody does design a ugly Christmas sweater that we end up using on the shop, I'll give you $50 to, to the shop. We'll do it that way. $50 gift card to the to the merch shop. So that way you can get the ugly Christmas sweater and, and something else. Um, will the wrapping paper come with matching tape for the a type personalities. <laughs> I'm not going to sell you tape. Have you never you met tape. clear tape before? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's available everywhere. <laughs> oh, wait, you're talking about matching tape, like tape that has the same design. Because, pe- oh, yeah. yeah, no, I don't even know how to do that. So you're no. on your own. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> I imagine that would be very expensive and uh, not worth my time. So <laughs> we know what tax bracket we're in. Yeah, we know what tax bracket we're in. <laughs> We know a tax bracket most of you guys are in. You can't afford whatever yeah. custom tape would cost. We know you guys. <laughs> That's why we try to keep the merch as cheap as possible. We, we really like, do, though, guys. Yeah. Like, I know it seems expensive, but it does cost a lot to make merch anymore. Um, it's, just the, it's just the truth of it. Like, the, the only way to make merch cheaper would be if we, out of pocket, spent thousands of dollars on ordering shirts that we're not sure we can sell. That's a cheaper way to do it. But if you want to do print on demand, which is the only way for a uh, podcast our size to do it. And honestly, for us to offer as much variety in our store as we can, mm. um, we really do try to keep it as cheap as we can. So I know some of it seems a little pricey, but it's just the the cost on our end is, is pretty high, too. So, yes. OK. All right. 17. Talk do you to your 3M it? promotional representative. <laughs> yes, I am. I have a 3M guy on my phone. Let me call my 3M contact. <clears throat> All right, yes, yeah. so a parable of two eagles and a vine. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, propound a riddle and speak a parable to the house of Israel. Say, thus says the Lord God, a great eagle with great wings and long pinions. Do the eagles have large talons? Uh, rich in plumage of many colors came to Lebanon and took the top of the cedar. He broke off the topmost of its young twigs and carried it to a land to tra- of trade And set it in a city of merchants. He then took of the seed of the land and planted it in a fertile soil. He placed it beside abundant waters. He set it like a willow twig. And it sprouted and became a low spreading vine. And its branches turned towards him. And its roots remained where it stood. So it became a vine and produced branches and put out boughs. 
And there was another great eagle with great wings and much plumage. And behold, the vine bent its roots toward him and shot forth its branches toward him from the bed where it was planted that he might water it. It had been planted on good soil by abundant waters that it might produce branches and bear fruit and become a noble vine. Say thus, says the Lord God, will it thrive? Will he not pull up its roots and cut off its fruit so that it withers? I already get where this is going, I think. So if I have this right, God took the top of the branches right out of Egypt, Mm -hmm. planted them by much great water. They don't need to be watered. They don't need to seek. They have everything they need right here. Instead of going, instead of growing towards the water and becoming a prosperous, fruity vine, Mm -hmm. they were tempted by other gods Mm -hmm. and they spread out towards the desert away from the water and they became a worthless dead vine. Mm -hmm. A lot of parables in this. Uh, so that it withers, so that all its fresh sprouting leaves wither. It will take a strong arm to many people to pull up its roots. Behold, it is planted. Will it thrive? Will it not utterly wither when the east wind strikes it? Wither away on the bed where it is sprouted. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Say now to the rebellious house, those whores, do you not know what these things mean? Tell them, behold, the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and took her king and her princes and brought them to him to Babylon. And he took one of the royal offspring and made a covenant with him, putting him under oath. The chief men of the land had he had taken away. Wait, wait, ki- wait. Are they talking about Daniel? Uh, maybe. <laughs> no, Are it they? can't be. No, I don't think so. Uh, no, I thought they were talking about Christian rock band from 2005 under oath. Oh, that's Christian probably right. Band, that's what it was. Yeah. But, the, but, but <laughs> someone is, will get that reference. This is. Daniel, right? Uh, one of the ro- one of the royal offspring, and and made a special. I wonder. I'll, uh, let's see. So we're. Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. I don't think so, because I think that the other apologists would have thrown a fit. Um. <laughs> what verse is this? Thirteen, twelve. I think we just have to keep reading because it's it's. Um... Okay, we'll just keep reading. Uh, made a covenant with him, putting him under oath, the chief men of the land he had taken away, that the kingdom might be humble and not lift itself up and keep his covenant that might stand. But but he rebelled against him by sending him his ambassadors to Egypt and they might give him horses and and a large army. Will he throw... Oh, no, I know that's about. It's um, It's, um, it's Solomon again, isn't it? Oh, I thought it was the other... um... One of the... I thought it was Solomon that broke the... um, was the first king to break the cover, the the rules about not like trading with Egypt and not having multiple horses to himself. Like the king was supposed to not live like yeah. way high up here. And I'm Solomon had like 500 freaking horses. He did. I'm he thinking about Egypt. a later king who was a vassal to Babylon who tried to Could be. work with Egypt to Either way, like, this have is a about revolt. a king of this is about a king of Israel. Though. Yeah. Yeah. But he rebelled against him by sending his ambassadors to Egypt that they might give him horses and a large army. Will he thrive? Can one escape who does who does such things? Can he break the covenant and yet escape? As I live, declares the Lord God. You're right. It's not it's not Solomon. Um, I don't remember who it is, but it's a different. It's, a different it's like Jehoiakim or Je- yeah, one of the Jehoiakim. It's one of those. Ones. It's one of those Jehoiah somethings. It's the fourth. Yeah, it doesn't matter. As yeah. I live, declares the Lord God. Surely in this place where the king dwells, who made him king, whose oath. He despised and whose covenant with him he broke in Babylon he shall die. Pharaoh with his mighty army and great company will not help him uh, in war. 
When mounds are cast up and siege walls built to cut off many lives, he despises the oath and breaking the covenant. Behold, he gave his hand and did all these things he shall not escape. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, as I live, surely it is my oath that he despised and my covenant that he broke. It's Jehoiachin. That's where I knew it was a Jehoiachin. I knew it was one of the Jehoias. It was one of those Jehoia boys. (laughs) Jehoia boys. (laughs) I will return it upon his head. I will spread my net over him. It's a tiny net. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'll stop quoting movies now. Uh, (laughs) Everyone will never get him anyway. And he shall be taken in in my snare. And I will bring him to Babylon and enter into judgment with him there for for the treachery he has committed against me and and all the pick of his troops shall fall by the sword and the survivors shall be scattered to every wind and you shall know that I am the Lord I have spoken. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs, a tender one, and I myself will plant it on high and on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, and that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it will dwell every kind of bird in the shade of its branches. Birds of every sort will nest, and all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring the, I bring low the high tree and make high the low tree. Uh, dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord. I've spoken, and I will do it. That's very interesting. Um, I wonder if that's if I'm missing a reference there. Because just because of uh, Israel always being talked about as a vine, and then he's like, I'm going to plant a tree on a hill instead. Hmm. I don't know. I was just wondering if that was supposed to be a reference to, to Jesus or. A well, what mess- happens when you graft a vine with something he's always referred to as trees? Maybe it becomes a tree. Yeah. Not scientifically speaking, but just. It is Jesus. Okay. Okay. It's talking about taking a member of David's family. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it being the messianic promise. Okay. That's that's at least the notes of my Bible say that that's what it that's what uh, other scholars believe it refers to. That's what it that's what it sounded like to me, right? Like a mighty cedar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. I just want to make sure I got that. Uh this one's interesting. So this is 18 how are we doing on time? We've been we're only about an hour and twenty. We usually go okay. like two hours. We can keep going for a bit. I think we're probably try... good through nineteen at least. Okay. We should probably be good through nineteen. Okay. I was hoping we could yeah, either stop at twenty or stop at twenty one. I want to make sure let me just look. Yeah. Um twenty is rebellious Israel purged. <coughs> okay. I was actually hoping we'd get to 22, but that's probably not going to happen. So it's all good. We'll just get through as much as we can. Um, Because I think it's 22. Yeah. 22 is the interesting one I was telling you guys about earlier. Okay. 18. The soul whose sins shall die. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, declares the Lord, this proverb shall be no more used by you in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine, and the souls of the Father, as well as the souls of the Son, is mine. The soul whose sins shall die. It's an interesting parable there. The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. 
think this is like the sins of the fathers being visited on the children thing, right? Right. So here it says, indicates that the proverb arose first in Jerusalem. Jeremiah predicted the cessation of this proverb, and Ezekiel said that its end has come about the land of Israel and about the fate of those who have suffered loss. The parents... I just proverb expresses self-pity and mocks the justice of God. Hmm. Set on edge, the Hebrew for this phrase perhaps means blunted or worn, but it may refer to the cessation in the mouth sensation in the mouth when eating something bitter or sour. Yeah. St- mm. Kind of like the children are bitter because you were mean to the parents. Like no yeah, wonder. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. It's a self-pitying thing is what it's saying. So it it's, feels like our society, doesn't it? Like just blaming, <clears throat> blaming and blaming and blaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, and it says that Jeremiah said you guys are going to have to stop using this. And Ezekiel's like, all right, stop. Just right. stop. No more. Uh, that's interesting. It's Sometimes it's hard to understand old parables. I wish that I had a little bit better notes on it here. Um, cause when it comes to things like the wine press, like the Bible that I have has a whole mm. thing explaining like explaining old it. wine skins and that whole thing. Cause some of it's just like, you know, not stuff that we think not in t- ways that we think in the modern age, mm-hmm. but I think you're right. I think it's just about being bitter and being like, I don't have what I have. You know, I don't have life's not good for me because my parents had it rough. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. What was me? Yeah. Uh, I'm not to blame. And I think that's where this is all going. And that makes sense because this whole thing is about like, no, this is, you are individually responsible. Your parents might have given, you, you might have dealt a bad hand, but you can't hold on to that forever, right. right? You have to be responsible for yourself. If a man, and it goes on to say that right here, if a man is righteous and does what is just and right, if he does not eat upon the mountains or lift up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, does not defile his neighbor's wife or approach a woman in her time of menstrual impurity, does not oppress anyone, but restores the debtor his pledge, commits no robbery, gives his bread to the hungry, and covers the naked with a garment, does not lend an interest or take any profit, withholds his hand from injustice, executes true justice between man and man, walks in my statutes, and keeps my rules by acting faithfully. He is righteous. He shall surely live, declares the Lord. Mm. If the father... If the father, if he fathers a son, sorry, if he fathers a son who is violent, a shedder of blood, who does any of these things, though he himself did none of these things, whoever eats, uh, who even eats upon the mountains, defiles his neighbor's wife, oppresses the poor needy, commits robbery, does not restore his pledge, lifts up his eyes to the idols, commits abominations, lends an interest, takes profit, shall he then live? He shall not live. He has done all these abominations. He shall surely die. His blood shall be upon himself. Mm. So not saved by your father's righteousness. It's, a, it's again, it's on you. Now suppose this man's father's a son who sees all the sins that his father has done. He sees and does not do likewise. He does not eat upon the mountains or lift up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, does not defile his neighbor's wife, does not oppress anyone, ex- exacts no pledge, commits no robbery, but gives his bread to the hungry and covers the naked with a garment, withholds his hand from iniquity, takes no interest or profit, obeys my rules, walks in my statutes. He shall not die for his father's iniquity. Mm. He shall surely live. And that was that again, this is important because at the time it was very common for people to believe that it didn't matter if the son ha- had lived a righteous life. If his father had not, he was being punished. 
Right. And this is changing that and saying, like, you're going to be set up worse. You are being punished by your father's iniquities in mm. a sense because you're you're not starting at a better place. You're not getting you're not getting a good example. But that doesn't mean if you live righteous that you are therefore punished because your dad did mm-hmm. bad. And I think he's like following up on something. I can't remember. It, it's early. It's maybe Exodus somewhere in there where he says, and I will I will visit the sins of the father on the third and fourth generation of of. Right. And, and there's a difference between y- when you sin, it is going to affect your children. This this <clears throat> just, we know this to be true, right? Y- your, your children are going to have those generational curses. They're going to struggle with those things. And it takes, it takes four generations to break that stuff right. um, with intentionality. That is not to say that they're going to hell. That's not to say that they're they can't be righteous. And I think he's like drawing this distinction between you may be feeling the the effects of your parents' <clears throat> sin, but you are not implicated by it. To to bring this back to the bloodline question, because we had this question in Discord recently hmm. where people said, and and me and Paul Stobbs talked about it last week. Was it last week? Yeah, it was last mm-hmm. week. Um we talked about it a little, we talked about it in Discord a little bit. But uh, his belief, and I think he's not in, wrong in this, is that there's probably a little bit of bad DNA in all of us uh, today. Mm-hmm. There's probably some, there's probably some uh, dormant Nephilim DNA in so many people, so to speak, right? And I think, I think some of that, some of that sins being passed on through generations had to do with with that exact thing. It's talking about mm-hmm. don't marry outside, you know, don't marry these these women. Your sins will be carried on to your children. I think that's part of it. And I think that this is, I, I could be wrong here. It's just my thoughts on it. I think some of this is saying like, that's not a thing anymore, right? Like the, that it's so diluted at this point. These, these, these children are not infested with like demonic right. DNA to like, to like this, huh. this degree anymore. It's one interpretation I've heard people give. Again, I could be wrong, but I also think that you're right. Like a lot of the sins passed on from the father are things that are going to affect you, whether you want them to or not. But that doesn't mean that if you live righteous and holy, that you're just screwed because your dad was a bad dude. Well, I have wondered if that had become a belief in Jerusalem at this time. Yeah. I have wondered if that's one of the reasons why the, um, the, the food restrictions were lifted in the new Testament, especially Mm -hmm. with pig is that the, the problem with the DNA had relaxed out. And right. so, you know, it, it no longer needed to be there. God didn't change, but the circumstances changed, so the rule was able to change. Right, yeah. But it's funny because even when we talked to Alan, he was like, I think the pigs, I think the pigs were like a hybrid creature that's how created we by the Nephilim. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, how we makes you wonder. got into that that conversation yeah. about about the rules because I, I if, thought he was going a direction and he But went. if they had though, like if they had been like corrupted in that way mm. with the you know like yeah. genetically speaking i know we're getting a little off into side <laughs> tangent of like wild speculation here and i'm not saying that it's just again this is wild speculation take it with a grain of salt guys right um why those things might have relaxed out why certain sins were carried on from the father to the children that aren't anymore mm-hmm. i do wonder how much of that has to do with genetics type stuff one not to say you're wrong because I think your theory is good. An alternative theory I want to put forward about it is that we don't actually have 
the bad DNA that there's sometimes I wonder how um, two diametrically opposed like groups of thinking in theology could be correct. And this is, I think, one way that the Calvinists and the not Calvinists could both be right. Um, that Calvinists are like, look, there are passages that are like, if I choose to make some objects for destruction mm-hmm. and, and I never call them and, and, you know, what's it to you, basically? The idea that there are some people who actually don't ever have a chance to be saved um, for whatever reason. And I wonder if it's because of they, they have that DNA that those of us they who were have, gingers born without souls. Is that where you're going with this? That's where I'm going with this. <laughs> Just yeah. No, the, the idea that it, I, I'm not a Calvinist. So I believe that every, every salvation is a mutual choosing. God chose you. You chose him. Right. Um, and That's there's never like a, I don't, I don't believe irresistible grace. I don't, I don't think that God just chooses you and you have no choice in it. I think you have a choice in it, but I think that there, it is also true. You know, I don't want to ignore the verses that they talk about where yes, some, some people are objects of destruction. Some, um, some hearts, God just hardens. Um, and he just like when he hardens Pharaoh's heart, it it doesn't seem like he ever gives Pharaoh a, a chance to actually, serve him but pharaoh is like at the time heavily demon blood the, the yes agreed also the pharaoh thing's interesting too because it, it says that pharaoh hardened his own heart seven times and then it says god hardened and his then heart god seven it. times yeah. um which is interesting because it's like all right you made your choice i gave you seven chances now i will visit seven uh right. my own hardening of your heart upon you mm. uh to match what you've what you've put into it right mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I think I think that there, again, I know this is wild speculation, but I think there is some components to that. And and I think what me and Paul were talking about a little bit is like there might be some messiness in our DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be okay. It, it's it's yeah. possible, but I don't think that that means you know whatever minute little bit um, means uh, that we're destined for destruction. Mm-hmm. There's a there, there's something we haven't gotten into. Maybe we'll get into it in a future episode. But there are people who have been part of satanic ritual abuse who have said Mm. very specifically that the point of it was trying to do that whole epigenetic marker flip for people who are not familiar with that. Mm. It's the idea that some people have very trace amounts of Nephilim DNA and they're trying to flip it on through abuse, through satanic ritual abuse to get them to produce Nephilim children. Mm. It's a wild thing. I'm just saying there are people who have survived cults who have claimed that that was that was what they were the trying to do. The entire purpose of it. So we've never even delved into it, but it, it might be an interesting future episode. Right. I don't discount any of it. And I'm, again, not trying to read into the Bible what's not there. I'm just, pro- it's a conspiracy channel. I'm just proposing yeah. some theories of like some of this stuff. 100%. Yeah. Um, this is, without this without is trying to take away from, from what it's also very clearly saying here, which is your righteousness is not, um, you're not, you're not damned because your father was a bad dude. Right. It's very clearly what it's saying here. I'm just saying there might be other things going on. More at play. As well. More at play. Yet you say, why should not the son suffer for the iniquity of the father when the son has done what is just and right and has been careful to observe all my statutes? He shall surely live. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. That's also interesting too, because 
there are definitely times where like parents screw up their kids. Mm-hmm. There are also times where parents are good and their kids just go do astray. What they want. Yeah. Um, it's not always the parents' fault. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's clear here. And and God, we always know God is the Father, right? So right. we're pretty sinful. <laughs> Adam and Eve, um, and all the way on down, and that's on us, right? Yeah. But if a wicked person turns away from all the all his sins that he has committed and keeps all my statutes and does what is just and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the none of the transgressions that he has committed shall be remembered against him for the righteousness that has that he has done. He shall live. Mm-hmm. Have I any pleasure in this death of the wicked? Declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live. But when a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice and does the same abominations that the wicked person does, shall he live? None of the righteous deeds that he has done shall be remembered for the treachery of which he is guilty and the sin he has committed for them he shall die. I want to point out here, this is something that I think people get wrong and I don't want to just put it on Catholicism, but I think it's kind of come out of Catholicism and maybe it's a misunderstanding of Catholicism. So I just want to be careful. But the idea that like, if you're, if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you're fine. And this is saying you can do a bunch of bad stuff. And then if you turn from it and do righteousness, then, then the bad stuff won't be remembered against you, but you can't do them concurrently. Paul talks about it as finishing a race. Right. And I think that that is the important thing to keep in mind, right? Is this, this is, verse is clearly saying if you were good for a long time and then you went bad, your good stuff's not going to save you. If you're bad yeah. your whole life and you turn to do good and be righteous, that will save you. Right. It's about how you finish the race, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yet you say the way of the Lord is not just. Here, here now, O house of Israel... Is my way not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? When a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. For the injustice that he has done, he shall die. And again, that also comes back to the idea that was put forth earlier. When you know things, right, you're held to a higher standard. The righteous are held to a higher standard mm. than than the than than everybody else, right? So mm. this is like someone who was raised up in the ways of God, who was following the statutes, who was following the laws, who was chasing after God and then turns the opposite way, that person is going to be held to a higher standard mm-hmm. than someone who lived a wicked life and then repents. Uh, again, when a wicked person turns away from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right, he shall save his life. Because he considered and turned away from all the transgressions that he had committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not just, O house of Israel, are my, are my ways not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? Mm. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest the iniquity be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed, and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in death of anyone, declares the Lord. So turn away and live. That's the other thing that that um, also, mm-hmm. talking about you know the, the angry Old Testament God, it's like he's constantly saying, I actually don't desire destruction. Right. I don't want to have to punish you. I want you to turn away. I want you to find life. I want you to live. Um, oh, shoot. I had another point and I was I totally lost it. Uh, nope. It's just gone. 
dang it. <laughs> Don't you hate okay. it when that happens? It's total yeah. brain fart. Well, maybe it wasn't that good. Probably. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Abby. Thanks for the vote of confidence. <laughs> um, yeah. So want me to read the last one? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. I think it's going to go quick because it's poetry. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and you take up a lamentation for the princes of Israel and say, what was your mother, a lioness? Among lions, she crouched in the midst of young lions. She reared her cubs and she brought up one of her cubs. He became a young lion and he learned to catch prey. He devoured men. The nations heard about him. He was caught in their pit and they brought him with hooks to the land of Egypt. When she saw that she waited in vain, that her hope was lost, she took another of her cubs and made him a young lion. He prowled among the lions. He became a young lion he, and he learned to catch prey. He devoured men and seized their widows. He laid waste their cities and the land was appalled and all who were in it at the sound of his roaring. Then the nation set against him from provinces on every side. They spread their net over him. He was taken in their pit with hooks. They put him in a cage and brought him to the king of Babylon. And they brought him into custody that his voice should no more be heard on the mountains of Israel. Your mother was like a vine in a vineyard planted by the water, fruitful and full of branches by reason of abundant water. Its strong stems became ruler scepters. It towered aloft among the thick boughs. It was seen in its height with the mass of its branches, but the vine was plucked up in fury, cast down to the ground. The east wind dried up its fruit and they were stripped off and withered. As for its strong stem, fire consumed it. Now it is planted in the wilderness in a dry and thirsty land. And fire has gone out from the stem of its shoots, has consumed its fruit, so that there remains in it no strong stem, no scepter for ruling. This is a lamentation and has become a lamentation. All right, so this is talking about rulers of, of Israel again, right? Yeah. So, uh, Jehoiachin, who only reigned for three months, I think is the first cub. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also could be Zedekiah, according to this. Both were taken to Babylon. Its reference uh, is to Jehoiachin, or if the reference is to Jehoiachin, if, if it's to Jehoiachin, it was a true lament. If it's to Zedekiah, it was a prediction. So those are the two differences mm, because there are two it. waves, right? So Ezekiel is taken in the first wave, I believe. Yeah. And... So was, but I feel like it says both, doesn't it? I feel like it's telling you both. There's two lions. Yeah. So it's Jehoiachin is the first lion. He was there for three months. They raise up another king, Zedekiah, uh-huh. and then he gets taken to Babylon. I feel like it's just talking about both, right? I think so. Seems like the obvious answer. So it's a lamentation and a prediction. It's both. Hmm. Yeah. It says it's a lamentation. So it says this is a lamentation and it has become a lamentation. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not trying to, it seems like it's talking about both, right? Yeah. Maybe the timing of, of it is a little later than people think. Could be. So it's talking about something that happened pretty concurrently. Could be. Yeah. Do we have one more? Or are we good? I think I'm, I think I'm done. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, want to look at the chat pj had a runaway train yeah i did i really thought i had something good to say guys um it was one of those rare moments where i felt like i actually had something intelligent uh words intelligent words coming out of my mouth hole on my face that would have been 
enlightening and oh, uplifting stop. and intelligent and not stupid. Um, <laughs> but not, it's just me, so it's probably not, guys. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, Ezekiel's, Ezekiel's long. But I think there's a lot of good stuff here. There's so there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of poetry. There's a lot of repetition. Um, but I don't think that's bad. I think there's times where we yeah. need to keep. There are things that are important and they're said over and over and over again, so you don't miss it. And I think someone said it earlier. It's like, eh, you know, kind of got said a lot. I think it's probably important. Uh, Answer Seder has a rumble rant. It says reading the Bible with uh, other. Faithful rather than alone is so much. I'm sorry. It's so hard to read it all the way over on the screen. It's so tiny. Oh. I was going to move in with my old man face <laughs> and, and I probably need glasses. Reading the Bible with other faithful rather than alone is so much a different experience. These streams are good. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, my study Bible says it's unclear. Mine does too. Sometimes, sometimes they say that because like a lot of people argue over it. And sometimes I'm reading it going, but it seems so clear. <laughs> and maybe I'm stupid. I don't know. I but don't it's know. It's like this cub, he was just, he just became a lion and then was taken away. So then someone was raised instead and he was taken away. I'm like, well, that sounds like both. <laughs> I don't know. PJ uh, needs glasses confirmed. True story, guys. I got glasses like 10 years ago and I've never worn them. So <laughs> I am supposed to. My eyesight's not that bad. I'm just nearsighted a little bit. So it's like I can get through life without the glasses um, because I don't want to be a nerd. Ah. Uh, yeah. Nerds. Hmm. hmm. Interesting. I'll wear them one of these days. <laughs> They're so out of date at this point. They probably are like are the wrong prescription. Well, they wouldn't work for reading anyway. No. Well, why? Why not? Because readings up. Well, that's your that's your. Right. I'm saying I can't read things that are not close. That's why I need to read things that are a little bit further away. Oh, then you're farsighted. It's backwards. It's I think it, you're wrong. It's the one that I'm nearsighted. I have sight near me. I don't have sight far away from me. Farsighted That's what I just people said. need reading glasses. That's what I just said. You need reading glasses. You said I have I have reading glasses. That's my point. <laughs> I can see things close and I can't see things far away. That's nearsighted. Right? You can't see things far away and you have trouble reading. I can't read it because it's all the way over there. Okay, okay, okay. okay when I get okay, close, okay. I can read it. All right, all right. I don't know. I have something wrong with my eye holes, guys. <laughs> That's all I'm trying to say. Get contact. Uh, I would rather look like a nerd than shove pieces of plastic into my eyeballs. What is wrong with you people that wear contacts? Just be a nerd. <laughs> Just, just get called four There's eyes instead of like so, shoving things in your eyeballs. There are so many reasons why I hate wearing glasses. One of them is what happens when it rains. <laughs> <laughs> I, or in the winter, I don't like wearing them either because I never do. In the winter, when you like go into a grocery store and you come out, your glasses just fog. There are so many reasons why I don't like wearing glasses. <sighs> Twinkie wiener sandwiches made PJ's eyes bad. You know what? You guys can all knock it, but until you try it. Okay. Listen, let's just. Everybody, I got homework for you guys, and then we'll end the stream. Buy <laughs> a box of Twinkies. No. Then buy hot dogs. No. Or sausages. That's no. probably a better way to do it. You cut the Twinkie open long ways. 
You put the hot dog in the or the sausage in the Twinkie, and then you take a can of spray cheese and you put it on top. Oh my god! And then you eat it because it's good. I don't make the rules. I thought it was the most disgusting looking thing ever. So I tried it as a joke, and then I went, "Oh wow, that actually tastes good." I I, I can't fathom how you can pretend <laughs> that is equally equally weird. Because admittedly, the second thing is also weird, but that is that's like all the way weird. And then it's a bit weird to eat grilled cheese dipped in applesauce. How is that only a bit weird? Is hot grilled cheese sandwich in applesauce? In applesauce, like a hot dog and cheese and bread is a is a Twinkie Wiener sandwich. You're, all you're adding is like essentially all you're adding is whipped cream to a hot dog. It's like not as weird as no cheese. No. Hot melted cheese and applesauce. I'm. Have correct. you never had like a cheddar and apple sandwich? No, like cheddar that and sounds apple together? disgusting. That's like that's a common Panera Bread had uh had a cheddar apple sandwich for a while. I don't think they have it anymore. But hot melted cheese inside of applesauce. I have had I have had grilled cheese with applesauce to to dip at, at a legit restaurant in Gettysburg. There's a restaurant in Gettysburg. I can't remember what it's called, but it, it has it's called like Ghettosburg little, is what that restaurant was called. Little grilled cheese sandwiches as a, as a starter and you can dip them in applesauce. It's- Ivan says, I think PJ might be pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> we keep wondering this. Keeps doing some weird stuff. Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> it's called class, guys. <laughs> Twinkie Wiener sandwiches are too classy. For you guys, you probably make fun of escargot and caviar and all that. How is that? Okay. People eat snails and fish eggs and that's, that's okay. But I put a hot dog in a Twinkie and I'm the weirdo. I don't think snails and fish eggs are on the same plane either. Like snails are gross and weird. I would never ever, but I like caviar. Nana C says my husband puts jelly on grilled cheese. Now, look, I'm very much against divorce, <laughs> but <laughs> that's, that's, that's kidding, fine. kidding, 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 kidding. That Have is you never really had <sighs> you? You've just never paired <laughs> cheese and fruit before. Oh, no, I think it's gross. I think that's this. A, it's a pretty I mean, you can think it's gross, but it's a pretty standard culinary pairing. Fruit and cheese. Well, well, shoot. You know what's also <laughs> standard culinary pairing? Hot dogs and Twinkies. It is absolutely not. It's a delicacy in <laughs> Azerbaijan. No, so it is not. I don't make the rules. It guys. is absolutely not. All right. We need to end this stream. All this right. Take it easy, hand. everyone. Have a great night. Eat a Twinkie Wiener sandwich. Report no. back to me. Tag nope. me on Twitter at PJ underscore unhinged. The whole deal. All right. Peace out, everyone.